Just, just let me just interrupt the flow of you know, the sermon video and all that and say this. I am so grateful for the two men that I work with here at Dorsfield. So grateful. I have watched, having privilege to be here, you know, well, let's see. Brent's been here since Noah was pastor. I came in about when David was pastor. So, so these years, I have watched their children grow up. And their children, no, they're not perfect. But these parents have poured their hearts and lives into this. I came in the other, uh, the other day when they were practicing, didn't know who was singing. And I walked in and I just listened. I was just blessed. And I see the way, you know, uh, Trenton and, and uh, Mackenzie have grown up, how these are growing up. Uh, we're just blessed, guys. Uh, Jesus, be sure and tell them, thank you for being men of God and fathers of God. Father's Day. Should say that for Father's Day, shouldn't I? Should say that for Father's Day. Well, listen, we're just glad you're here today, and we're in, we're finally in week number four of our series that we have called Day Spring, and we haven't made a big deal of that. But the bottom line is this: we chose it Day Spring because one of the names of Jesus, and we we tied it in with the idea that Matthew chapter fourteen covers roughly a twenty-four hour period in the life of Jesus. So it was a day of life. With Jesus, a day of life with Jesus. And we've seen tragedy in that day. Um, we've seen miracles during that day. We've seen great faith in that day. And today we want to look at course correction. We've seen how, how God, our merciful Father, sometimes redirects our path. We're going to look at that today. We, we see three verses only, and like I say, in case I don't get all the way through, at least we'll say we read the verses. But in Matthew 14, 34, 35, and 36, here's what it says. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent out into all the surrounding region and brought to him all who were sick. And begged him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many as touched it were made Perfectly well. Three verses and teaches us three very important truths. You know, I was going to bring Judy's phone up and decided against it, but you know, I am a gadget guy. I I, I love gadgets. I know. By the way, I know. Uh, 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 what's the kid's name that just sang? Victoria. Victoria. I'm on drugs. I'm on drugs. Okay. I, I have another neck problem this week. But but Victoria had an iPhone six plus. Yay, Victoria. All right? And the reason I want to bring my wife's phone up is because it's 95 and like it's out of date. And I just don't do that out of, out of date stuff. But anyway, there's a program there called Waze. And Waze is a, one of those GPS apps that are just incredible. And you, you tell it where you want to go. And it really does. It's got a nice you know, female voice to it. You can choose the male or you choose the female. But it tells you everything you need to know. And then it, it says, I was going to show you how it says, it says, let's get started. And so the, the ways will tell us different things as we go. Like, for instance, it'll say, um, oh, oh, you took a wrong turn. Do a legal U-turn. Do a legal U-turn. Uh, it'll tell you, oh, 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 there's a faster route available. Would you like to take it? And then, and then if there's an accident or construction upstairs uh, up ahead and, and you know, the, the road's all blocked up, they'll say, you need to turn here and avoid that thing. It'll offer us detours. Did you know God does the same thing? God is incredible in that he watches out our courses and will change it always for our good. The kicker is sometimes that's hard to see. I, I think of my friend Katie Whiting. Um, Katie's just one of my favorite people. And she, from the time she was in the fourth grade, wanted to be a lawyer. That's what she wanted to be. It's a lawyer. 
And so she worked toward that goal and got her, her uh, BA, got her bachelor's work done, and was accepted into the law school at Southern Illinois University in Carbondale. And so she, she progressed along, and at the end of the first year, um, there was a test, and a test which she did not pass. And it turns out that her average that she needed to stay in law school was one one-thousandth of a point short. Let me say that again. One one-thousandth of a point shy. And the teacher who gave the test that she did not pass the next semester was dismissed. So you're kind of going, and I'm sure she was going to bring, in fact, when I heard the story, I said, not fair, one one-thousandth of a point I mean, hey, God, can't you do just a little bit of work here? One one-thousandth of a point? But see, God had a course correction for her. Even though she had planned from fourth grade forward to be a, a, an attorney, God had a different plan. So, obviously out of law school, she ultimately buys a business, owns a business, of which she touches literally hundred, hundreds of children's lives. I'm sure as an attorney she would have touched a lot of people's lives. But I know her life. I know her compassion. I know her love for kids. And the kingdom impact in a business that she has four children is awesome and great. That would not have happened if there wasn't a course correction. I bet there are people sitting in this room today who God pulled a course correction on you. Perhaps you saw yourself as the CEO of a company and that didn't happen. Or perhaps you saw yourself as a mom or a dad and that didn't happen. Perhaps you saw yourself happily in marriage and, well, that's, maybe you're married but maybe not happy, but that didn't happen. And along your path you're wondering, God, what are you doing and how is it that you're bringing about these course corrections? Well, promise me, I promise you this, God is a loving father. And he knows exactly what he is doing. Now, on your sermon sheet, you're going to see two verses. And that's why I read the scriptures. You're going to see two verses. One of them is Mark chapter 6, verse 45. And one is Matthew 14, 34. And those two verses are important because it's the beginning and the end of really what we want to talk about today. It's the beginning and the end of the course correction. You really need to see the start so you can see the end. Here's what it says in Mark chapter 6, verse 45. This is the same story. You know, there are four gospel writers. This particular part is mentioned in three of the gospels. So here's the way Mark put it. Mark said this. Immediately he made his disciples. Now, he just fed 10,000 people. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. And the other piece of toast on this sandwich, the end of the story is this. Once they crossed over, they came to the land of Genezareth. Wait, 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 Dwayne. So he puts them in the boat, and, and they go across the lake to Bethsaida, and when they land, they're in Genezareth. What happened? What happened? And what happened was, is God pulled a course correction. In the midst of the sea, and again, I hope you'll go back and listen to the previous two messages and go back and read Matthew 14, all of it, it's all there. But in the midst of that boat ride, when they left on their way to Bethsaida and they ended up to Genesaret, what happened was a storm. A storm came up that ended up altering their course ever so slightly, but altering their course. And here's the part. That storm, one of two things. Either God is totally sovereign 
and allowed the storm. Or one commentary even said Jesus caused the storm. Because there was a lesson that needed to be taught that could only be taught by a storm. I'm going to tell you something. When you go through the instance and circumstance of your life, those things are either allowed by your sovereign God or sometimes even instigated by your loving God. And they are either for or always for his glory and your good. You're a good, good father. That's who you are. That's who you are. That's who you are. And I am loved by you. That's who I am. Who I am. So, so we have the, these two verses. One says we're going to Bethsaida, and we end up in Genesaret, and we say, what happened? And what happened was a storm came, and the course was slightly altered. Now, that's not the important part. The important part is not that the course was slightly corrected or altered. It's the fact that the promise remained true. So if you're writing down, and I don't do points anymore, you know that. I gave up on points. All my sermons are pointless. Okay, all right. But here's the deal. The course may change, but the promise never does. The course may change, but the promise never does. It is true in this Bible story, and it is true in your life. What's the promise, Dwayne? Well, again, he told the boys, made the boys, get in the boat and go ahead of him where? To the other side. The promise was... We're going to the other side. Well, guess where Bethsaida was? On the other side. Guess where Genezareth was? On the other side. See, the promise remains true. God has made a promise to you. When you have chosen to follow His Son, Jesus Christ, as Savior, He doesn't promise you no storms. He doesn't promise you'll know all the details. But He does promise you're ultimately going to the other side. There's not anything heaven can, or excuse me, that hell can do, that Satan can do, that circumstance can do, can keep you from going to the other side. As you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, ultimately, you're going to a place called heaven that is totally incredible and awesome. And you're going there, and there's nothing Satan can do about that. Whether storms are allowed or storms are caused, nothing will change that fact. You need to file that away. You need to put that way deep in your heart. No matter if the course changes, the promise remains true. He has said, I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. And that is awesome, incredible, and it is true. There's a great story that teaches us this truth way back in Exodus chapter 13. If you want to take your Bibles and go there, Exodus chapter 13. It's a great scripture we'll be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Now, you, in case you're not totally familiar, you know, the, the nation of Israel, the, actually, it was just a big family, had, stayed, had been in Egypt for 400 years. They started out small, and they got big. Okay? And so finally, they became slaves of Egypt. And finally, God sent a man named Moses to set his people free. And that's what, this has now happened, and this is life right outside of Egypt. And the Bible says, when Pharaoh let the people go. Now, I need to pause there. Because it teaches us something that's very important. If you're going to believe that, that no matter if the course changes or is corrected, that the promise is always true, you've got to understand something. What happens is when Moses gets there, God sends curse after curse after curse. And everything that Egypt worshipped, I mean, they worshipped bugs, they worshipped cats, they worshipped also everything that frogs and everything that Egypt worshipped, God made a mockery of and defeated. And so finally... The final thing God does and says this. says, 
I'm going to send my death angel through. And all the firstborn of people is going to die as the death angel comes through. But he told Moses to tell the children of Israel, take a lamb without blemish and slaughter it. And take that blood and put over the door, the lintel, and the doorpost. And have the families gather in that house. And when the death angel comes, and the family's inside that house, behind the blood-stained door, and who's ever in the house, the death angel will not touch. That's why they call it Passover. The death angel will pass over. And so the people of Israel believed God and they slaughtered the lamb and put the blood on the doorpost. And about midnight, there was great groanings and hollers as, as the death angel passed through Egypt. And all the Egyptian firstborn died. But for everyone who was under the blood and beneath the blood and behind the blood, the death angel passed over. What's the great lesson? Those who believe God, the death angel passes over. Those who believe God. We are all saved by, by what? By grace through faith. Not by works. Not by what we can do. Not by trying to earn God's favor. Not by going to church. None of that. We are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. The Christ who died on the cross. So that lays the groundwork. These were a people of faith. The Passover. They were, they were God's chosen people because God chose them. Not because of what they did. They believed God and were God's people. So these people, the Bible says, when Pharaoh let the people go because of that curse, he said, get out of my land. The Bible says, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, though that was near. In other words, there was a short path. I mean, just for illustration purposes, here we are, and there's the promised land. It's a real short way. And so, obviously, the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, so they could have easily gone that way. But God didn't lead them that way. The logical way, listen, listen, the logical way was not the way God took them. In this case, we even know the reason why. And I bet some people are sitting here there listening on the radio and you're going, yeah, you know, I, I asked God for this and it was logical to me that this happened and it didn't happen. What's up with that? Well, sometimes we know the reason and sometimes we don't. But we do know this. We can trust God. We can trust God. Always. Why? Because he's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's who he is. And we are loved. We believers, we're loved by him. That's who we are. That's who we are. So God reveals and says this. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. God knew the people of Israel were not prepared to go that way. He rather, even though it was longer and harder, took them a different route because he knew his people and that they were not ready to go by the way of the Philistines because they might see war. And they weren't ready for that. There are two great dangers. Write these down if you're taking notes. Sometimes it's catastrophic failure. There's a great danger in that. In other words, if they, went the way of the, if they went the way of the Philistines and the Philistines rose up to oppose them and ended up defeating them, in their defeat, they would turn around and go back to what they were, and that was slaves in Egypt. So it's a great danger if they lose and there's catastrophic failure. Also, there's another great danger, and that's success. 
Who knows, if they'd have gone the way of the Philistines, gone this way, and somehow they'd have won the battle of the Philistines, there's also danger and success because they may have said, hey, look how powerful we are. Who needs God? And they may have been tempted to go back and say, let's just take on the Egyptians. And guess what would have happened? They'd have been slaves. So God knew that there was danger if they fought and lost, and there was danger if they fought and won. One would cause them to say if they lost, God, where are you? And if they'd won, who needs God? Have you ever had that before? Have you ever had a storm in your life that was so devastating, so catastrophic, it caused you to go, God, where are you? Or have you had successes so great that you thought you could do anything and you said, who needs God? Both are dangerous. And both happen a lot in the lives of people. So what's the alternative? Trust God. You have an all-knowing, all-wise, all-powerful God watching over your life as a believer in Jesus Christ. Trust Him. Trust Him. And look what He did instead. Verse 18. But God led the people around the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. What? Wait, wait. First off, he didn't take them the shortest way, but then he leads them to the way of, of the wilderness? Why would he do that? Is somebody wondering? Yeah, there's a reason why. The wilderness was an environment to practice faith. The wilderness was an area of their life, a circumstance where they could practice their faith. In other words, when they were going to the wilderness... Everything they did depended on God. If they were hungry, who was going to deliver the food? Uh, that would be God. There wasn't a Kroger's. There wasn't a Sloan Street Market. If they were going to eat, it had to be God. Well, they're going through the wilderness where it's dry and there's no water. So if they're going to drink water for this million people, who's going to provide the water? God. God put them in an environment to teach them to trust Him. Guess what God does for us? He puts us in environments where we are taught to trust Him. That's why some of you are baffled and you go, I don't understand God. I thought when I got Jesus, everything went okay. I mean, the preacher on, t the preacher on TV said so. He said, all I have to do is believe in Jesus and everything is bad doesn't happen in my life. Have you discovered He lied to you yet? See, God is, again, so much more interested in our holiness and our happiness. There's a happy day coming, but it's that place I talked about, a place called heaven. In this world, Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation. But those tribulations are designed for us to learn to trust God. So he takes them by this wilderness and an environment of faith where they would learn to trust him. But do you see something? The Bible says... The way around the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. Now, what's going to happen to the Red Sea? Anybody know the story? Yeah, they, yeah, they butt up. They butt up next to the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, they see a dust cloud. And the dust cloud is caused by the horse's hooves of Pharaoh's army. And here's the Red Sea, and here's the danger of Pharaoh. God took them around the way of the wilderness where it's an environment of faith, puts them up against the Red Sea, 
and then performs a great miracle. The sea is parted. They go through on dry ground. Pharaoh's armies follow. The seas close in and drowns them. Now, I promise you that there was a lot of Israelites who are going, I think we ought to go the way of the Philistines. It looks easier to me. It looks shorter to me. And there's a lot of people going, wait a minute. We don't like this wilderness idea. It's hot and it's dry. But if they had gone the way of the Philistines, they'd have missed the miracle. Think about it. The greatest lessons in life probably that you've learned in life, and Victoria mentioned it, you know, Victoria, wait till you get to be 62. There's a lot more of those things. There's a few in sixth grade, but there's a lot more when you're 62. But I'm telling you, we go through these things, these difficulties, these storms, and it teaches us faith. But some of us sitting here have seen miracles. And you'll never see the miracle working power of God if you take the way the Philistines. If you take the easy way the world says, you'll miss seeing the miracles of God. So God takes them through the wilderness to put them in an environment of faith and then gives them the opportunity to see him perform a miracle. And you know what else he does in the process? He closes the door on Egypt. He closes the door on Egypt. When they go across the Red Sea on dry ground and the sea comes in and drowns Pharaoh's armies, all of a sudden Egypt's on this side and they're on this side and there ain't no turning back. Some of us need to learn the lesson as followers of Christ. There ain't no turning back. Some of y'all are longing for the old days and the old days were no good. We need to understand that we're on the right side of the sea and the right side of the sea is with Jesus. You don't want to go back to Egypt. You don't want to go back to slavery. I'm so glad God closes that door. I'm one of the old Baptist guys who says, man, if you're truly, truly born again, you ain't going to lose it. I told a sister this week, if God owned a person when they died, he still owns them. If he owned them when they die, he still owns them. And I'm glad and grateful for that. So, so here we have God doing this great work. And the Bible says that the people of Israel went out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. That's such a strange translation of what it means. Um, one, one word is unharnessed. But the bottom line is, and I think it's the New King James that uses it, they were in ranks and orders. This was not a mob. This was an organized movement of God and his people. Again, Psalm 37, 23, and 24. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he, God, delights in his way. And even if they fall, and they would fall. They would not be utterly cast down because God holds them with his strong arm. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord. Hey, Israel, yes. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. So as you journey, if you haven't figured this out yet, as you journey, there will be course corrections. But the promise never changes. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. And by His grace, not your performance, but by His grace, you will spend eternity in a place called heaven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Do, listen, don't be discouraged. I remember ways one time. 
ways had me detour. This is true. We were coming back from somewhere down south. And at first I was so angry that Way said I had to detour because I thought that meant a longer route. Oh, no, no, no. Up ahead, there was a large accident. And people were waiting in line for hours. But because Waze was so smart, it had me get off before the traffic jam and go around the back roads and get back on the interstate after the accident. If we can trust an electronic gadget to guide our cars, I suppose we can trust an almighty God to guide our lives. It just seems logical to me that we can trust this God. So, so the verse first teaches us that the course may change, but the promise never does. The second verse teaches us this. While the course may change, our purpose never does. While the course may change, our purpose never does. In verse number 35 of Matthew 14, the Bible simply says this. When the men of that place recognized him, they alerted the whole vicinity and brought all to him who were sick. You see it? There's, now, this, notice this is not the 12 men who followed Jesus. This is the people that had somehow recognized Jesus who lived there. They recognized him, they alerted the whole vicinity, and they brought to him all who were sick. The the course may change, but the purpose never does. You see, the ones who recognized Jesus alerted the whole area and then brought those who needed Jesus to Jesus. Is that not the mission of the church? Those of us who know, those who recognize Jesus as the Savior of the world, the one who bled and died on a Roman cross, that we can have forgiveness of sins. Those of us who know him, those who recognize him, are to alert the vicinity. Hey, we, I can see the people. I can see the guys doing this. Hey, guys, Jesus is coming. Hey, hey guys, the Savior's coming. Jesus is coming. They spread the word. And let me tell you the purpose of the church. The purpose of the church is to spread the word. We are not a club. I mean, again, if you want to join a club, I think the country club's still open and takes memberships. We are not here to coddle and serve one another. We are here to see the lost, come to know Jesus Christ and Savior by preaching the true gospel to them, that there's a man who died who will forgive sins and by God's grace, and they can have eternity in a place called heaven. That's why Dorsville Baptist Church exists. We are here for the sake of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. The course may change. But the purpose never, never does. Oh, we need to know this. Over in 2 Corinthians and chapter 5 and verse 17. Here's our testimony. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That's what's happened to us. Those of us who know Jesus, you say, well, what's my testimony? Well, I've been made new by the power of Christ. The old has been done away with and the new has come. Now listen to this. All this is from God. All this is from God. That's what Paul says. All this is from God. The purpose of us as individuals and the purpose of us as a church together, as a corporate body, it's all from God. I mean, God does it all. All we can do is believe in what Jesus Christ did. All we can do is believe and trust what God has said. It's all of God. The Baptists don't have a corner on the market. The the non-denominationals don't have a corner on the market. It's God and it's His grace working in and through us. So all this is of God. 
who through Christ, through his sacrifice, through an old rugged cross, through his willingness to die for, for sinners, even though, even though, again, we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans chapter 5 and verse number 8. Even that, through Christ, God reconciled us to himself. God reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You know, I've tried to teach you recently that grace experiencers should be grace extenders. Love experiencers should be love extenders. And those of us who have been reconciled should share the good news that you too can be reconciled. God gave us the ministry of reconciliation. How wild is that? He has entrusted you individually and us as a corporate body this ministry of reconciliation. Well, what's that look like? Well, it's like this. Verse 19. That this, that this in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In this, God was bringing the world to himself. That, that lost man, separated man, unholy man could have a relationship with a holy God because of Christ's sacrifice and our faith and belief in that sacrifice. And his administering his marvelous and wonderful grace. Not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us this message of reconciliation. That is so powerful. I mean, I don't know about you, but I got a long sin list. I got a long sin list. I know some of you guys have been saved long enough. Yours isn't long. Mine's still way too long. And I am so glad that God, by grace, does not impute my trespasses to me any longer because of the blood of Jesus. Because of the blood of Jesus. The biggest thing I could ever do as a teacher is to help you understand what I'm learning. For so long, and this is nothing new, so don't say, oh, it's going to be big. No. For so long, I just thought I had to perform to please God. I knew I was saved by grace. I got that. But somehow I just imagined that every time I messed up, God was in heaven patting his foot going, why did we let him in the family? He is such a failure. And guess what? The, the accuser was whispering in my ear going, yep, he's right. You know, you're just a failure. is all you are. And the great revelation was, you know what? Romans chapter 8 verse 1. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That God's not up in heaven and looking down on us as his people going, what a bunch of losers. Because Not because we deserve it, but because of his grace and because of, of the application of Christ's blood, we're not losers. We are victorious in Christ Jesus. And that's the cool news. God doesn't care for black or white, green or yellow. He doesn't care what country we live in. You know, He's reconciling the world. He's opened the door wide open and said, whosoever will may come. And that's great news. And that is the message of reconciliation. And I get it. We, you know, we wonder, why do we do Sundays in the park? And why do we do you know, back to school? And why do we go to Africa and Nicaragua? Why do we do all those things? Because God has entrusted to us the message of reconciliation. And there's about 4,200 in, uh, international missionaries from the Southern Baptist Convention. In a world of 7 billion people, they can't do it by themselves. And besides that, God has said, go into the world. He wasn't talking to just 11. He wasn't talking to 4,200. He was talking to the church. 
And we should go across the road. We should go across town. We should go north. We should go south. We should go to every continent as much as God enables us because he's entrusted with us the message of reconciliation. And sometimes, sometimes, oh, this is good, David. Sometimes that course correction is God putting you in a position to do exactly that. And I think about my friend Matt and Bethany who were working in this town a very good career and God shouted down from heaven I've got a course correction for you. And they're now serving in Central Asia and there's a mom and dad over here who released them to go. It's incredible guys. And the gospel's worth it. The gospel is worth it. I'm telling you, think of this. What if it was your daughter? What if it was your sister? What if it was your son that was sitting right outside the rim of the church or in another continent and they were lost and they were doomed to hell? Would you really say, good luck? Hope you make it? No, you do everything you could. And we do everything we can to reach out in the name of the gospel of Jesus. So sometimes those course corrections are God putting us in a position to work in the kingdom in a bigger and greater way. Well, we need to stop there. How did two girls meet me at the door? How long does church last? I said, well. I said, first off, I don't preach the whole time. But I said, you know, I'll use about an hour and 35 minutes. Ooh, one little girl said, she thought it lasted two hours. And I said, no, if it lasted two hours, they wouldn't like it. You know, so, and then you get them to say three hours, Doug. So, hey, we're good. We're good. You know, there are times you're grateful for not being African-American and going to an African-American church. Three-hour church, that's a long time. But here you go. Here you go. If you're here today, and you've had a course correction, and you're a believer in Christ, I'm asking you today to trust your Father. You may not. You know, in this case, we saw with the children of Israel, we know exactly why it happened. I'm asking you to trust your father. Because he's a good, good father. That's who he is. And you know what? You are loved by him. That's who you are. And no matter how difficult that course correction may be, and believe me, it sometimes will be hard, the promise is still true. Heaven is worth it all. And, and the course may change. But our purpose never can. God didn't leave us here to get fat and wealthy. He left us here to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. However that pans out in your life, whether you're a banker, whether you're a miner, whether you're a teacher, whether you're a preacher, whether, whatever it is, your purpose as a child of God, a Christ follower, is to change the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whether the world is immediate or far, that's why he's left us here. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you so much for listening today. This is the kind of decision that we have. And one of you are here today, and I intentionally brought the cross in because religion will not get you to heaven. That's not the gospel. Your denomination will not get you to heaven. That's not the gospel. Your good works, being as good as you can, it's not the gospel. It can't get you to heaven. But what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago on Roman cross, and our faith and trust and belief in what he did, 
and God extending his wonderful unmerited favor toward us is a way. In fact, Jesus said it very clearly. He said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So we're not selling doors, Bill. We're not selling being badness. But we would love to tell you about our best friend, Jesus Christ, who loved us and who died for us. So Brent's going to be standing out front in just a moment. And we unashamedly have an altar call in our service because this is the good news that I've said it is and the Word says it is. We won't give you the chance to say yes to that today. So Brent will come. You know, Brent will be standing out here. Come and say, hey, Brent, I want to know more about this gospel. I want to know more about Jesus Christ and how I can have forgiveness of sins, how I can have a relationship with Creator God. And we're glad to share that with you. If you're here today and you're right in the middle of a course correction or maybe you're still reeling from a course correction in your life, would you trust the Father today? You may not understand, but he's saying, would you trust me today? If he's taking you by the wilderness, would you trust him today? Would you understand that there is a miracle coming, by the way? It may be here, it may be in heaven, but there's a miracle coming. Would you trust Father with that today? And would you be willing to realign your priorities? And make sure you understand that God's left you here for a very distinct purpose. And that is... That is, to further the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Regardless of where you work, regardless of what you do, he's left you here as an ambassador, as Paul put it, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you want to come and make a fresh commitment to that call in your life. Maybe you're hurting today and you just need someone to pray with you. We've got some folks who would love to pray with you today. Just come and we'll be glad to do that. Maybe you're trying to decide about church membership. You know, hey, do I want to be part of this church family? We'd love to answer your questions about that. Maybe you trusted Jesus, but you've never been baptized. You don't know much about that, and you'd like to know more. We'd come, we'd be glad to answer those questions for you. So God, I really want to say it again. Thank you so much for being a good, good father, because that is who you are. And amazingly, we would be loved by you. Father, help us to trust you. You're way too big for us to understand. Way too big. Your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts than our thoughts. So we get that. So, Lord, if you're changing our course, help us just understand and believe that promise still remains. No matter what happens on a day-by-day basis, the promise remains the same. And help us to embrace our purpose. In a land of plenty, it's awful easy while we get distracted. Help us understand that we're part of something bigger, bigger than amassing wealth or just doing life. We get to be guardians of the gospel message and sharers of the gospel message. Thank you for entrusting us with that. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name.